for them to envision someone being in a position of power that has this figure, right? This 27 years old, have not been an educator before. I come at this from a policy and governmental perspective where I served communities for years in the legislature and at the county commission where I'm a public servant. And this job for all intents and purposes is a policy job. You create policy to run the district and you manage a $3.8 billion budget. So I think that we as Latinas often face hurdles and it's very easy for us to be sidelined, but we can't allow that to happen. We have to come in knowing that the credentials we have from life experience on a resume on paper from whatever it is that makes us who we are will always be enough. It just, we have to keep pushing to earn that respect and never let anyone take us for granted because Latinas are, I mean, look what we did this election, right? The, the Latina turnout all over the country in Philadelphia, in Pennsylvania, in Arizona, in Nevada, in central Florida, in Orlando, move the needle. And that wasn't alone. We worked with uh, black women who are the backbone of the party and who made sure that the election went a certain way. But we have to take credit for that we are uniting and understanding the writing on the walls. I think that's one of the things in our community, as you had mentioned um, in the backstage of you know brown skin, if we show up in a boardroom with brown skin, we have to show twice the effort. And that, sh that shouldn't be the case. And I think that's part of the, you know, the systematic racism that we are challenged with. I didn't know if I was sleeping in my bedroom or the basement. Like as Latinos, we are, we're taught to survive. And it's like this lucha culture, like the lucha is real. Like we're always in this struggle culture and mindset, right? And so, yeah, put us in a boardroom with some people, even though we're educated, we have all the certifications, we've got all the experience. We're going to feel at some point, like something here is going to go wrong. Like something is, something is going to happen. When uh, instead of trusting that, actually, no, I totally belong here. I can contribute here. I am so overqualified to be here. That is, this is just not thoughts that uh, go through our head. I'll say for the most part, okay, because someone here is disagreeing with me saying, I don't experience that, right? I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about everybody else. <laughs> because the feeling never goes away. I was pitching my film at HBO in uh, Hudson Yards last August, and I'm walking down the hall and and the assistant was like once you see the wonder woman costume make a right right and i'm like oh my god i'm in hbo and it wasn't the first time it was my third time and i'm still intimidated i'm still thinking who the hell am i to be here i'm still thinking oh my god my new movie idea totally sucks they're gonna hate it and it just doesn't ever go away and then i'm like no denise you're here you deserve it every step like disagreeing with myself little did anyone know i'm having this whole freaking dialogue going on right but guess what? I took up space. Even though I was nervous, I took up space, right? And that's what you need to do. And so, yes, yeah. And thank you, Wanda. I think it was Wanda, imposter syndrome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, that we think that there, that unfortunately, and the thing is, I don't want anyone to hear this like you're wrong or like I'm judging you. I'm not. I am so human. I didn't even blow my hair out today. Okay. Like, this is how human I am. Um, I think that we have a problem in our in our culture thinking that there's not enough, but it comes from the fact that there didn't seem to be enough, right? My parents didn't have enough money to heat our house. 
Yes, that's like, I'm seeing that as like a seven, eight year old kid. My counterparts that were going to school were not having to sleep in their basement. They weren't overhearing conversations in Spanish that they weren't supposed to understand about not being able to pay the bills, right? I get it. There's a reason why me and you and other Latinos that you know have this enoughness thing, okay? The thing is, is that that happened when we were kids. We like that happened a long time ago. We're talking in the 1970s. I'm an adult and so are you. We can change the narrative. But the way that it kind of appears and um, surfaces is very insidious. And it might seem like, oh my God, like what you said, there's not, they're not going to pick two Latinas, right? That's the way that it shows up in your life. It doesn't show up in your life in a linear, easy to understand uh, way. It shows up in your life in the way that uh, where it's like, lack you know where it's like not believing there's plenty of room where it doesn't where they're just where we're looking at life through this lens of there's not enough i'm right and you're wrong because if you're friends with someone like me and you try to tell me that there's no opportunity for you uh that you don't have that you're not sort of that you don't have the certifications and you don't have the education i'm going to say stop lying no, no, no. I'm sorry, because the person here in front of me is totally qualified. I'm sorry. I'm not going to believe your lies. Right. Because the only reason why I'm sitting here on this call with my hair not blown out and imperfect as I am is because one day I just decided to be enough to make a single phone call. And that was to make an appointment with my now creative partner eight years ago to pitch an idea about a film about our experiences Latinos in the United States. Right. And it wasn't like instantly I felt like I was enough. There's probably a million moments, including last summer at HBO. Like the, the feeling never goes away. I've only ever really been able to deal with it, right? Uh, and, and so also too, those of you that are like, I don't know what she's talking about, like get over yourself. You're not playing a big enough game then. Because if you're really playing a big game, it's human. It's human to experience I'm not enough. I think that our system in the United States is not, and, and not in not just on the United States, but many parts of the world, is not built for the student. It's built for the red tape of the government, right? So how many students do you have? So we give you funding. So how many of them pass this test? So we give you funding. So how many of these teachers did this? So we give you funding. So it's all strapped to the cash. And if you follow the money, like we always, you know, said in politics, you follow the money, you find what why that's happening. It's because, you know, there is systems in place that are perpetuating the access of education to certain kids, right? Inequities and equity things are there and people are trying to avoid that conversation, but it's, it's coming. Because a lot of times, you know, the biggest naysayers for the Latino professional are other Latinos, like we are in a, each other's way. So it's this mentality of if you can't get it, then I can't get it either. And we're all gonna be complacent and stuck where we are. For me, as an immigrant Latina, when I look at the movie and I watch a movie, we're always the same two or three characters. It's always the male, it's always the gangster, it's always something like that, you know? And, and, and the fact that you see uh, your own heritage portrayed in these, uh, unidimensional way, um, it's something that you have to be aware of because you can internalize it and start thinking that all you see is all you can be. And that's not, that's not how the world works.
I started wondering why? Why are we so powerful, but we are seen so weak? Why are we so big, but we think so small? And I don't think that it's not that we're not using our power, we're not accessing our power. It is there. It is if you're like a small, thin boy, and all of a sudden you grow and you weight lift so much that you all of a sudden become like, you know, like cult man, and you're a super bulky and muscly teenager, and someone wants to hit you, and you're like still feeling like that little boy, and you feel like, oh no, please don't do anything to me. That's exactly what it felt uh, when I started looking at this. And, and it's not a matter of muscles. We are muscly. We just don't know it. Um, and I've always believed that if you weren't happy with something the way that it was, that you could go in and, and change it and demand that it be changed and, and, and get people to agree with you and get behind you and, and beside you to go and, and make the change that you want to see. So um, growing up, definitely something that I always saw as possible. We have to utilize our voice as a community as we did during this election to make sure that the awakened Latino is up and rising to vote, to really make sure our voices are not only being heard, but being put into action. How we feel about when somebody humble brags or brags. For me, I'll, if I see somebody, I'm like, oh, wow, that's so awesome. At the same time, I feel like, gosh, why do I feel like if I did the same thing, people would look at me like I'm, you know, bragging. You because, know? They would. because they would, Sandra, right? That's why, we have to stay. that's why I always told you, I just adore you. I love how you manage yourself on social media. It just, it really speaks volumes. And I don't know if it's that I feel like um, I've been doing this for so long. I, I feel like I have like x-ray vision for amazing people. And you're one of those people. And it's like, because yeah, there are, a, I'll say a lot of people that might look at women like us and just feel, try to make themselves feel better by criticizing us. And you know what, if that's how you uh, feel better, I'm glad I could be a part of it. <laughs> Right. But we have to support each other because I get so excited. And as you know, that you're a part of this amazing event that we're going to do on the 15th. And um, I personally get inspired by Latinas just kicking butt and taking names like there isn't much else that inspires me than a liberated Latina owning her power. Right. Because we have a lot of young Latinas out there that are watching us right? And they see, they understand what's going on. They understand way more than we think. And we have to give them a good show. Why? Because they deserve, they deserve to feel themselves as a powerful woman too. And so we have to be willing, if you don't mind me saying this, to be uncomfortable with the truth that, yeah, some people are going to hate and criticize, but some people are going to be inspired. And my final point to wrap that up is we have to watch out who we hang out with right? And who we spend time with, including the people that get to have time on our Facebook feed. And I love seeing your posts because they lift me up and they add to me. And guess what? I do lots of unfollowing because if I see somebody hating, guess what? I don't have time for that. I'm creating big stuff, only positive in over here. That's all that's, that all that's allowed.
I think board of directors, you know, Latinos on board of directors is like one or two percent of all Fortune 1000 boards. And yet we're roughly anywhere, you know, I'm going to guesstimate the census. We're like 20 percent of the of the population. So I would argue 20 percent of board of directors should look like your consumers. And I don't say it emotionally because I'm proud to be Hispanic. Like I try to talk with CEOs, pure statistics. So if you're the board of directors and the president, the C-suite of an organization, let's say you're a utility company and 20, 30% of your customers are Hispanic, you're really not serving them properly. We do things just to do them, and then at some point we figure out how to perfect them. I, I am a big believer that you have to break things to create things, and I like being an imperfectionist. I, I think there's a the word act is in activism for a reason, that you have to have action behind it. And a lot of times people spend a lot of time trying to figure out the great way to do something and strategic plans, that those are all important. Um, but at the same time, a lot of things are happening while you're doing that. I, I want to always be impatient with my activism. I don't want to be patient that 550 kids are not connected to their families. I want to be impatient that kids right now aren't connected to the internet, therefore aren't able to learn at the same level as other kids. Um, I want to be impatient that somebody is sexist or homophobic or racist um, or Islamophobic or anti-Semitic or makes fun of disabled people. I don't want to be patient with any of that. First of all, your name is Sandra Noemi Torres. You are Puerto Riqueña, you know. Um, and as bad as my Spanish is, a mí no me da pena. Like, I, nothing embarrasses me. I don't care. If somebody wants to engage me and, 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 and I start talking to them in Spanish and then they start switching to English because they see que me estoy trancando en algunas palabras, mm -hmm. um, I'll keep talking in Spanish. And they're looking at me like, it's okay. You don't have to do this. And I'm like, no, I don't care. This is my culture. I, I, I'll just correct me if I'm off. Um, I, there's too many Latinos that don't speak perfect Spanish and are suddenly somehow either made to feel or in, internally feel as though they're not Latino enough because their Spanish isn't good. Nobody's going to dictate what it is to be Latino to me. And that includes our own community. And I've always said that if we're so against building walls, why do we keep building those walls between ourselves? Why is somebody too dark, too fair-skinned, doesn't speak enough Spanish, doesn't speak enough English, um, is, is, is too LGBTQ plus or too disabled or, or too anything? I, I, am, I am so tired of us after being the victims of bigotry turning around and doing the exact same thing. Racism within our own community is maddening.